0: Welcome to Heard at Heritage. Heard at Heritage features cutting edge analysis and thought from leading experts in and across the conservative movement, as well as premier events and programming from the Heritage Foundation here in the heart of Washington, D.C., brought straight to you. Please welcome Rob Bluey, Vice President of Communications at the Heritage Foundation.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Heritage Foundation and good morning. It's great to see so many friends in the audience with us today. For those of us, those who are joining in person, watching online or viewing this on C-SPAN, we're grateful that you're interested and with us today. I'm Rob Louie, Vice President of Communications here at Heritage and also Executive Editor of The Daily Signal, our news outlet, and it's my pleasure to host the great Cal Thomas for today's event. As one of America's most read columnists with a distinguished career in media, there's not a whole lot I can tell you about Cal that you probably don't already know, but I'll start with his new book, which is called A Watchman in the Night, What I've Seen Over 50 Years Reporting on America. The book takes you on a journey through Cal's time as a syndicated columnist from his start in 1984 with the Los Angeles Times Syndicate to present day. We have a limited number of copies available for sale after today's event, which Cal will gladly sign for you. This book is Cal's 12th. It's a remarkable achievement, even for a writer. And I can say that as a writer myself who hasn't written a single book. (laughs) Cal's other titles include America's Expiration Date, The Fall of Empires and Superpowers, and The Future of the United States, What Works, Common Sense Solutions for a Stronger America, The Things That Matter Most, and Common Ground, How to Stop the Partisan War That is Destroying America. Before I turn the stage over to Cal, who will make remarks and then answer your questions, Uh, just a few more words about his career and the lessons that he's taught us through his humor and common sense. He started his career in journalism at the age of 16 and would eventually have his column printed by hundreds of news outlets, including our own Daily Signal. When that column started, he was in fewer than 10 papers nationwide. And although he wasn't the only conservative voice appearing on America's editorial pages, Cal distinguished himself each week by focusing on objective truth and serving as the watchman for America's founding principles. Cal was also a commentator on Fox News Channel for 19 years, hosting his own show and serving as a panelist on others. He has worked for KPRC-TV in Houston, NBC News here in Washington, and hosted a program on CNBC. In 2011, Cal received the William F. Buckley Jr. Award for Media Excellence from the Media Research Center and the 20, in, in 2022, the William L. Armstrong Award for Visionary Leadership and Service to the American Idea by the Centennial Institute. Although Cal's social, political, and religious views closely aligned to those we espouse here at the Heritage Foundation, he long ago developed a reputation for forging relationships with people who didn't always agree with him. The late Bob Beckel was one of them. Cal and Bob wrote the Common Ground column for 10 years at USA Today. Such an idea might seem like a lost cause in today's divided country, but we could all learn a lesson or two from Cal. Whether it was hosting private dinners for the press and the members of Congress or bringing people together for the National Prayer Breakfast Media Dinner, Cal earned the respect of people from all walks of life and different political beliefs. He was guided from a young age by his faith in Jesus Christ and has an enduring faith in God. He's a proud father and grandfather and a good friend to many of us here at the Heritage Foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Cal Thomas.
2: Well, thank you very much, Rob. It sounded like you were reading my obit. Uh, Appreciate it. You may wonder why more people have not shown up. We uh, had to turn away the, uh, the crowd because it was so vast, and there are fire regulations here, so that's why you see these. But I want to thank everybody for showing up, especially my granddaughter, uh, Crystal, who flew in from San Antonio. She will be the first female president of the United States. Write that down. Now, I confess to a little nervousness being here today because the last uh, prominent individual to speak here got fired. <laughs> But I'm going to forge on anyway. 39 years, two columns per week, 4,056 columns and counting. I reread every one of them while compiling this book. Now, it's not a collection, but a roadmap or diary of what I've witnessed over the decades of reporting on this wonderful city into which I happened to be born. Uh, I couldn't help it. My mother was here at the time, so... I used to say on the lecture circuit, I'm happy to be here tonight from Washington, where the only politicians with convictions are in prison. <laughs> I'm particularly thankful that people with such a wide range of political beliefs offered blurbs for this book and especially honored and pleased that Tom Johnson, who opened the door for me with the Los Angeles Times syndicate when he was publisher of the L.A. Times, Wrote the foreword to it. You can't have a wider spectrum of political positions than Her- Henry Louis Gates Jr. from Harvard and the host of a wonderful PBS series about African American lives, to Pat Sajak of Wheel of Fortune. I tune in only to see what he is wearing each night. I thank them and the others for honoring me in this way. I thank my longtime editors who are watching by live stream, Connie Pollock from the Los Angeles Times Syndicate, and now Tracy Clark of uh, Tribune in Chicago. Connie and Tracy would have been here today, but the crime is so bad in their cities that they felt it was unsafe for them to leave. <clears throat> it's only a joke. Uh, now, when you go to the store to buy groceries, assuming you can afford them uh, in this time of high inflation, you don't argue with the checkout clerk about pounds and gallons and other measurements. Uh, You don't stand in line with two jugs of milk and say, my standard is this is only one jug. Or you have two pounds of meat and say, no, my standard is only one uh, pound. The next voice you would hear would be security. And yet, that is precisely what the loudest voices in our culture are saying. They want to create their own standards, which in reality are not standards at all. They have their economic standards, spending and taxing as if there is no end to it, and ignoring with what massive national debt has done to other nations. There are foreign policy standards, which this administration and the entire left is increasingly ignoring, that have put our nation at risk from China, China, Russia, Iran, and other forces that see us as weak and indecisive. Only a few years ago, they feared us. Now China's president, Xi Jinping, believes America is in decline. Is there sufficient evidence to counter his diagnosis? I just returned from Israel, my 27th visit. They made me an honorary Jewish person, which was very nice. Uh, And I met my my longtime friend, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. He told me that Israel has managed to delay Iran getting a nuclear bomb, but only a delay. Someone will have to stop it. Who might that be? Meanwhile, the Biden administration continues to push the the so-called two-state solution to the Palestinian problem. I presume now, at least, they have tabled the crazy idea of a treaty with Iran as a regime as if a regime that claims their God wants Israel eliminated and us too would abide by anything, they would sign with infidels. Must I mention moral standards, which are not only being violated, but rejected, in favor of what is now called woke Drag queen story time, 56 labels of gender identification on Facebook, same-sex marriage, puberty blockers, and the rest of the secular progressive agenda. Once people who favored such things were ashamed to say it in public, now they shot it from the housetops. Once such people sought, or were told, to seek counseling, now they not only seek permission, but approval and demand you give it to them, or they will picket your business or home. See Brett Kavanaugh and other conservative justices. See those who are standing up for women's sports against transgender males and the hail of criticism that has rained down upon them. The City Council of Somerville, Massachusetts enacted an ordinance protecting individuals in polyamorous relationships from discrimination. In 2020, the city became the first in the nation, but I'm betting not the last, to recognize polyamorous relationships as legitimate domestic partnerships. Romantic relationships of three or more in the city will now have many of the same rights as traditionally married couples. What's next? And there will be a next, because without a standard, there will be no stopping anything. To what would anyone who says, no, this is too far, appeal? You know, it reminds me of what Mitt Romney said after the not-so-Supreme Court ruled on the legitimacy of same-sex marriage. Next, they'll be allowing you to marry your dog. He was mocked. It's not so funny now, is it? Government schools teach a type of Reconstructionist history, or herstory, that seeks to indoctrinate children with a leftist point of view whose goal is to create a new generation of secular progressives dedicated to envy the success of others greedy for what they have and entitled to their money. During the last open season on Medicare, ads ran on TV stations in Florida and likely elsewhere that contained four words, free, deserve, benefit, and entitlement. Free, deserve, benefit, and entitlement. Now, when I was growing up in suburban Washington, the standard was inspiration followed by motivation followed by perspiration can improve any life. Calvin Coolidge, our 30th president, said it best when it comes to economic success. You don't build up the weak by tearing down the strong. One of my favorite quotes of his, other than that, refers to a standard that has been lost in our time. Nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. Today, if you're persistent and successful, you are to be taxed and regulated to death to subsidize others who have been less so. Consider the Biden administration's recent proposal to increase mortgage rates for people with good credit to subsidize those with bad credit. And yet, there are as many poor people today as there were when the Great Society began in 1965. According to heritage figures, our government has spent $11 trillion fighting poverty, and it hasn't worked. There are roughly the same number of poor people today as there were 60 years ago. Poverty is more than a lack of money. It is a lack of other things that lead to a lack of money. Do reasonable people think it is long time past for another approach? We're knee-deep in the big muddy, and the big fool says to push on. With apologies to Pete Seeger. Recall the Clinton-Gingrich welfare reform law in the 90s. The left screamed people would starve in the streets if they didn't get their welfare checks. They didn't. When they realized the gravy train would no longer be stopping at their mailboxes, they went out and found jobs. Interviewed later, many said they were living a fulfilled life. Welfare was an addictive drug, and when they weaned themselves from it, they discovered what freedom looks and feels like. And then there is the open border, which is contributing faster to the expiration of America than any foreign power could dream up. I recall the words of Muammar Gaddafi, who said that Islam will dominate Europe without a shot being fired through immigration. The same is happening here. If the government schools don't finish the job of indoctrinating young people's hearts and minds with secular progressivism by the time they graduate from high school, you can count on the universities finishing the job. It It makes me ask, why are we sending our children and grandchildren to these indoctrination centers? We don't send our troops to Russia, China, or Iran to be trained. Why do we then send our children to places that teach the opposite of what many of us believe? Thank goodness school choice has spread now to more than 37 states. It needs to be national. It has always amused me that those who are pro-choice when it comes to abortion are anti-choice when it comes to the schooling of children fortunate enough to have been born. Anyone who reads my columns knows how much I like definitions. They help focus the mind. Here's how dictionary.com defines standard. A rule or principle that is used as a basis for judgment an average or normal requirement. Today, who can define a principle without being labeled a racist? Who dares to assert a rule or something normal for being called any number of phobes? What Groucho Marx said seems applicable today. I have principles, and if you don't like them, I have others. (laughs) It reminds me of a verse from the Old Testament book of Judges. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. Another translation says, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Paul, the apostle of Jesus, put it a similar way. Speaking of the end times, he said, people will believe whatever their itching ears want to hear. By these definitions, America and the rest of the world have reached or are very close to reaching the end times or end of days. This apocalypse is more certain than the many declared by climate change alarmists, none of which have come true. Have you noticed Miami is not underwater yet? In my column and in this new book, you will shortly be able to purchase and have me sign for whatever that is worth. And by the way, I have a money-back guarantee on this and all of my books. If you don't like it, I guarantee you not to give your money back. (laughs) I have sought to assert a standard in this book that is fading from our culture and nation. A standard that has always worked, not only in America, but in other nations, wherever and whenever it has been applied. There is literally nothing new under the sun, as Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes, a book that inspired the rock group known as The Birds. Just wanted to let you know I was hip. Everything we think has been thought before. Everything we do has been done before. Why repeat history's mistakes? Why? The answer is we're too often ignorant of history and so are necessarily doomed to repeat it. Look at the kind of people who are elected as mayors in high-crime cities. People claim to be fed up with crime, and yet they vote for candidates who want to defund or even eliminate the police, or they reduce felony charges to misdemeanors and release offenders to commit new crimes, including murder. What is wrong with us? The late Roman Catholic Bishop Fulton J. Sheen said so many wise things. Here are a few which were uttered more than six decades ago, but still apply today. America, it is said, is suffering from intolerance. It is not. It is suffering from tolerance, tolerance of right and wrong, truth and error, virtue and evil, Christ and chaos. Our country is not so overrun with the bigoted as it is overrun with the broad-minded. Or, the refusal to take sides on great moral issues is itself a decision. It is a silent acquiescence to evil. The tragedy of our time is that those who still believe in honesty lack fire and conviction, while those who believe in dishonesty are full of passionate conviction. Or Moral principles do not depend on majority vote. Wrong is wrong, even if everybody is wrong. Right is right, even if no one is right. Or Civilization is always in danger when those who have never learned to obey are given the right to command. Hmm. Or, there is no word more dangerous than liberalism, because to oppose it is the new unforgivable sin. And finally, which sums up everything, Bishop Sheen said, modern prophets say that our economics have failed us. No, it is not our economics which have failed. It is man who has failed, man who has forgotten God. Hence, no manner of economic or political readjustment can possibly save our civilization. We can be saved only by a renovation of the inner man, only by a purging of our hearts and souls, for only by seeking first the kingdom of God and his justice will all these other things be added unto us. I can think of nothing more profound than that. Rob, wild applause. Thank you. (laughs)
1: Uh, you're here with, with Heritage today. The, the book official p- comes out tomorrow, so this right. is a sneak preview for a sneak for preview. <laughs> uh, we um, wanted to take your questions, and I know the last time that Cal was here, we we've certainly filled up uh, the whole, whole time uh, answering your questions. So I want to start with just one, and I've got plenty of others to ask him, but, uh, but be prepared. First of all, Cal, you, as I mentioned in the introduction, have long spoken about your Christian faith. How have you been able to find such success in a media environment that seems so hostile to the values and beliefs that you have personally?
2: Well, basically, I have spent most of my career denouncing other people and labeling them, and that seems to help a lot. Uh, No, I I joined their organizations. I went around the country and met with uh, editors uh, who had never been visited by a columnist before. And I genuinely care about my colleagues. I, I admire their work. I uh, I tell them so. Uh, they don't necessarily admire mine, but that's their problem. Uh, I, uh, you know, when, when Beckel and I wrote this column for USA Today uh, called Common Ground, it, it shocked a lot of people, including uh, news people. Uh, because there is there is money and ratings in conflict. And you look at what's on TV these days, and. You have a host and two guests, and one of the guests says, you're ruining America. Yeah, no, you're ruining America. Well, you're a secular humanist. Well, you're a Bible-thumping bigot. And the host says, and we'll be back with more civil discussion after these messages. (laughs) Well, you know, real people don't do that. And so I try to burst the stereotype of uh, what a conservative and a Christian is like, and the secular progressive eyes, sense of humor. Um, You know, I grew a mustache once. Somebody said I looked like Saddam Hussein. I thought that was nice. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, I find that, you know, like Mary Poppins said, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. So you make friends. And it's hard to resist loving on somebody else, you know. They, first they wonder what your motive is, and then when they see you don't really have one, then they open up. You mentioned what
1: sells, though, in today's media environment. Do you think that the approach that you brought to overcome some of those divisions is, is possible today? Obviously not.
2: Okay. No. It would have been widely accepted. No, look, there's money and there's ratings and there's fame in conflict. Mm-hmm. And in this town, everybody knows the solutions, but nobody wants to uh, arrive at the solutions because then they lose the issue. Social Security and Medicare being the perfect example. Everybody knows what needs to be done. Social Security is going to be bankrupt in 10 years, so you have to go up on the tax. Or reduce the benefits everybody knows that that's just beyond debate but they won't do anything because they they lose the issue and government grows and becomes more intrusive and more expensive and the debt grows uh, you know Reagan used to say the only proof of eternal life in this town is a government program
0: <laughs> uh,
2: it's true it's easier to kill a vampire and the analogy is a good one because both are blood-sucking uh, things <laughs> I should mention to
1: our, our online viewers, uh, we are monitoring questions if you have any, and we have somebody in the room here.
2: And the, the FBI is monitoring them
0: too. <laughs> <so> <laughs> you can, be
2: careful what you're doing. Yeah.
1: Yes. Uh, questions from the room. Uh, we'll go here, and we have a microphone. Uh, and uh, Tyler, in the back row, let's start over there. And if you could just state your name and if you're affiliated with an organization. When you ask Who you voted for in the last election. I. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, this is Tyler O'Neill. I'm a managing editor at The Daily Signal. This uh, some foundation named Heritage or something. Um, so I wanted to ask you, you know, you mentioned the FBI listening in, and I've been writing a lot about the Southern Poverty Law Center branding conservatives and Christians hate I'm having trouble hearing you. <laughs> oh, I've, I've been writing a lot about the Southern Poverty Law Center and responding to the vitriol of the left. And I'd like to hear your view of what's the most effective way of you know disproving some of these accusations of hate of bigotry um that you might have also run across
2: well i remember something ted koppel said years ago uh, uh, truth is uh is uh not a polite tap on the shoulder truth is a howling reproach so i think uh, truth has a power of its own and, and, but, but it must be spoken kindly. You know, Mary Poppins had a great line, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. And I, I'm going to talk to the uh, communications people with uh, some senators uh, after this event. And one of the things i am going to say to them is those of us who are conservatives need to get off defense. These are not our policies and beliefs and philosophies that have brought America to the edge of financial ruin and have caused other nations to have such a low regard for us now and an inability to keep our promises. So we need to get off the defense and start holding these secular progressives, as I call them. I don't even call them the left anymore. Uh, The secular progressives accountable for what they're doing to this country, whether it's the schools, whether it's the economy, whether it's the military. Look at the military. I mean, joining the military used to be something incredibly admirable. And now you've got all these woke policies in the Defense Department, and they're counting race and gender and trans this and that, and they're, they're, they're hurting on recruiting, and it's the same with the police. Police are quitting in cities like Chicago and San Francisco and Los Angeles. They can't, they can't stand it. Anything they do is going to be recorded and uh, taken out of context and whatever. So I, I think just uh, speaking the truth, yes, in love, but also with conviction, is probably the most powerful thing we can do.
1: Second row here in the back. Hi. uh, Thanks for your talk, Mr. Thomas. Um, You have written after the 2016 Pulse nightclub shooting and also at other times that there should be a ban on building new mosques in the U.S. until we gain an upper hand against um, Islamic terrorists. Um, Presuming that that's still your view, I was wondering if you would also be in favor of repealing the First Amendment Freedom of Religion Clause And if not, how you would reconcile your view with the uh, freedom of religion guaranteed by the First Amendment?
2: Uh, Well, first, uh, that column was written right after 9-11. And uh, clearly, if you read the sermons by some of the mullahs throughout the Middle East, you will uh, hear what their agenda is. They want to destroy Israel, and then they want to come after the great Satan, which is us. Uh, The uh, leaders of Iran have said that they have sent people to infiltrate the United States. Look at our open border. Nobody knows who's coming in. Nobody knows what their agenda is. So I think that, uh, uh, certainly I don't want to repeal the First Amendment, but I do think that if you are going to uh, promote the general welfare, provide for the common defense and ensure domestic tranquility, you have to know who's coming into this country. There is no right to come to America. There's nothing in the Constitution. That says people have a from other countries have a right to come to America. Now we're very generous and compassionate, and we are a nation of immigrants. But uh, we want people who uh, embrace the American way, who embrace our Constitution, our laws, and who practice real diversity and don't want to impose their own worldview on others. And that sadly is what I'm seeing now. You take a look at Minneapolis; they've just uh, passed an, uh, an ordinance that over overcomes their noise ordinance to accommodate uh, the Islamic community with their five-day calls to prayer over loudspeakers. Now, I'm all for freedom of expression and all of this other stuff. But I, I think uh, making exceptions for one group is uh, is not the way to go. And I would say that for any group, by the way.
1: Front row here. Do you want me to have a mic? Yes, she's coming up.
0: To... Hi, Barbara Bowie Whitman. I'm an economist and a retired Foreign Service officer. My question comes to something I postulated. Eight years ago in January, I was having breakfast with a Republican friend and I said, I think both parties are going through such upheavals and realignments that in 10 years, we may not recognize either of them. They might not even have the same names and we don't know who's gonna support which side. I said 10 years. Do you think we'll get through that process in the next two years?
2: It's interesting. Uh, uh, Kristen Sinema, the uh, senator from Arizona, was on Face the Nation yesterday. And she had said uh, she believed that uh, both of the political parties are basically dinosaurs and need to go away. She's an independent now. She was a Democrat. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, It almost doesn't matter, in some ways, who's elected anymore. People come to Washington. I'm going to change Washington. No, you're not. Going Washington's going to change you. you. you know, they, I mean, they've been here a lot longer than you have. And uh, a lot of this has to do with um, people's attitude toward government. We have moved from a time of personal liberty and freedom to a time of tremendous dependence on government. I call it a perversion of the 23rd Psalm. The government is my keeper, I shall not want. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of poverty, the Health and Human Services Department will be there uh, covering me with EBT cards. Uh, and, you know, I always I always thought of government as a last resort, but now it's promoted as a first resource. Where are the people who used to be uh, idolized in our country? People who worked hard, who got married before they had kids, who, who uh, didn't take drugs, who were honest in their business and personal relationships, who honored their marriage vows. All of these things used to be... Um, Uh, taken for granted in our country and upheld through the McGuffey readers back in the old days in schools, remember? They had, uh, you know, respect your parents, uh, love your country, salute your flag. All these things are now gone. Now what are the flags? We're supposed to uh, salute the rainbow flag and we're uh, we're supposed to, uh, you know, not have prayers in schools. and And how's that all working out? You know, what kind of country do we have now? Wasn't it better then? I would argue that it is. It was. Good question, Barbara.
0: Hi, my name is Bob Hathorn. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. Nice. And I, <laughs> and I am involved, as Rob knows. Uh, my question is, in your experience and travels, our problem is communicating with the voter, your neighbor, my neighbor, mm-hmm. who has no clue about anything <laughs> we're talking about here today. Uh, How can we do a better job of reaching out to the voter Mm. on the importance of voting and supporting the party? Because this is what cost the election in Arizona. It was not Democrats. Mm. It was not rigging the machines, which happened. Mm. But it was a fact that seven and a half to 10% of registered Republicans who voted did not support the key candidates of the party in the state, and that's why Kerry Lake lost, Secretary of State lost, etc. How do we do a better job? Well, you hit on it in your,
2: in your question. You talk about uh, talking to your neighbor. Now, this may seem like a small thing, but one neighbor talks to another. Have a little, organize a town hall meeting uh, in your community, might be at your local school, might be at your civic club, or whatever, and invite your friends and have them invite their friends. And say we 're going to have a serious discussion about the future of america don 't make it partisan but make it issue oriented. Do you like the way things are going? Are you happy with the amount of taxes you're paying? Are you happy with the way that your government representatives are spending your money? Uh, what does freedom mean to you and how do we attain it again in America? These are all things that 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 define or used to define the United States Now it may seem simple, but as you indicated, you know most of these electoral election victories are very small numbers. They're very small margins. And so you don't have to persuade a lot of people. The Democrats are very good at this. They're going after students now using AI and other factors. They're, they're really big on AI. I don't know why a lot of people are surprised about AI. We've had AI in Washington for many years. It's called Congress.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, you know, the other thing is you, you, can't, you, you can't get into shape by watching an exercise video. You've got to go to the gym. And you can't preserve a constitutional republic by just paying attention the week before the election or watching ads on TV and let them uh, influence you. You have to work at it every day. You have to be involved. You have to be a knowledgeable. Uh, point out, my granddaughter, again, has been very active in her local school board races in San Antonio. In the last election won two out of three, didn't you? Yeah, One two out of three. And a lot of the people she talked to had never even considered what was being taught in their public schools, And when she told them and formed this group to uh, has an online uh, web page, uh, they were shocked. Some have pulled their kids out of those schools, others have uh, become more active now in what is being taught. So these things may seem small, but small becomes big. If we constantly focus on the national, we're going to have less influence than if we focus on the local.: Mr. Halverson. Yes. So down here, I this young man down here next to the much younger and much prettier person sitting next to us. Cal, I think I've known you longer than anyone else in this room. That's yeah, depressing, isn't it? <laughs> so, Cal, you've been writing, you've been a watchman for 50 years. And over that time,
0: have you seen any time in those 50 years that America has gotten better? And if not, what is your hope in the context of a declining civilization?
2: Well, you know, things come and go. We had uh, the Civil War, of course, which was a horrible time. We had uh, Vietnam, which was very divisive. We had the Civil Rights Movement, all of those uh, demonstrations and uh, other things. So uh, things have come and gone. But obviously, I mean, in my lifetime, the collapse of the Berlin Wall, the opening up of Eastern Europe, uh, the fall of communism and the old Soviet Union, Although the current dictator is, uh, you know, certainly a reincarnation of that uh, ideology and worldview, but uh, I mean the world has fallen, to use a, uh, a, a biblical word, and if we're looking to government to solve it, we're looking in the wrong place. I think this is what Bishop Sheen was getting at in the last quote that I that I used. It's matters of the heart, and we who are followers uh, not of religion, but of a person named Jesus of Nazareth, uh, he has the only power to actually change a life. He certainly changed my life, thanks to your father. And um, he's changed millions of other lives as well. And I think that's the greater message we have. Republican, Democrat aren't going to save us. Liberal, conservative aren't going to save us. Uh, There's only one person who can save us and uh, fit us from heaven. And that's Jesus of Nazareth. And my hope is built on nothing less than his blood and righteousness, as the old hymn says. (laughs) Back up. Yeah, hi. Uh, thank you, Mr. Thomas. Uh, Howard Marks. Uh, I'm a former journalist, and I, I think I start reading your columns about 50 years ago. Oh, I'm very you, depressed now. Uh, <laughs> the ones I hate the most. My grandmother was a fan of yours. <laughs> um, you're you're defined uh, iconoclism, um, you know. Um, my question to you is, uh, you, I think you just touched on it uh, briefly just previously. Uh, what shaped your views? I mean, tell us a little bit more about yourself. I mean, I'll pretend I'm one of these talk show persons. Um, where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? How are your sh- your views shaped against uh, the majority culture? Wow. Um,
1: and, and, and add to that, uh, Pastor Helverson's
2: influence on your life. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, this is, this is usually a 30-minute talk, and if I gave it, I'd have to charge you. But uh, <laughs> Well, I was born in Washington, D.C. I couldn't help it. My mother was here at the time. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in the area, went to public schools in Montgomery County, Maryland, graduated from American University in Washington. And uh, I wrote a book a few years ago called What Works, Rob mentioned it. And I, I think that's the standard we should use. Uh, if a program is working, and if it can't be done better by the private sector, then we keep it. If it's not, we get rid of it. That's what businesses do. But only in government do things, as I said, Reagan's line about eternal life is a government program. Continues on and on and on. And then if you try to cut even the rate of increase, much less an actual cut in spending, your demagogue is hating old ladies as a racist and you know, anti the poor and all the other stuff. It's It's... The same old line over and over. This has been going on since the Franklin Roosevelt administration. Envy the rich, hate the successful, subsidize the unsuccessful. Well, what you penalize, you get less of, and what you subsidize, you get more of. So if you can take the ideology out of it and say, is this working? Is this promoting the general welfare? Is this achieving the objectives that the legislation was designed to achieve? And if it is, we keep it. Great. If not... We get rid of it. So my bottom line is, well, what works. Um, I uh, went to Walter Johnson High School, worked for a, started my career as a disc jockey at WINX radio in Rockville, where my wife also worked. We were high school classmates. People said, "Did you date in high school?" I said, "No, I feared rejection." <laughs> uh, prettiest girl in school still is. And uh, she's back in Miami. We did a thing in Tampa yesterday, but she'll be back up later in the week. So uh, that's basically my story. I grew up in a, a traditional two-parent home, father working, mother a homemaker, and uh, neighbors, uh, you know, I didn't know anybody who was divorced growing up. I didn't know anybody who was a criminal, other than, you know, a politician or two. And uh, uh, so it was pretty traditional for me. And. I didn't meet any African-Americans except uh, the maid that we had until I started playing basketball and was invited to uh, one of my teammates' houses once. And and then I went to, I was a copy boy at NBC in Washington, and I was at Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech along with Jack Perkins, who was covering it for NBC. And that had a uh, major effect on my view on uh, race and the um, and the, uh um, and the lives of of African Americans in this country. So there've been a lot of things. I'm not a I'm not your predictable conservative. I mean, I you know I care about some things that the left cares about too, uh, but uh, I want to I want to embrace things that promote the general welfare.
1: Did you want to touch on Pastor Halverson? Oh your well, you know, faith. yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I I went to a building called church growing <clears throat> up, but I never knew anything. You know, Sunday morning you do go to church for an hour, and then you're on your own the rest of the day and the rest of the week. Um, we had a Bible on the shelf in case the pastor came to visit. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anything about anything. And then uh, we were going to a church in southeast Washington, and the pastor said, we were commuting all the way from Rockville. And the pastor said, you know, I think you'd be happier if you went to this fourth Presbyterian church in Bethesda. First time I've ever been asked to leave a church. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, the pastor wasn't there that Sunday and I said, eh, well, you know but we thought we'd go back again and that's when uh, Dick Halverson uh, was a preacher and then I got invited to a Bible study I didn't know you could study the Bible and he was the leader and I said, man, I've got to get me one of those I'd never read it really before and it was like scales began to fall from my eyes and I realized that God loved me and had a plan for my life that was better than my own plan which wasn't working out all that well, by the way. And uh, so out of that, uh, and then I was invited to a little prayer breakfast where a federal judge named Oliver Gash, some of you older folks may remember him, stood up and talked about the possibility of everybody having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'd never heard of that either. And uh, one thing led to another. And then in 1973, when I was fired by NBC, one of the greatest things ever to happen to me, um, uh, and out of that came a commitment of my life to Christ. and. Uh, then things really got interesting, which, again, if I told you, I'd have to refer you to my agent. <laughs> Thanks, Cal. <Ralph.
1: laughs>
2: Tim in the background.
1: Uh, Tim Gagline from Focus on the Family. It's great to see you, Cal. Thank you, uh, congratulations on your book. Thank you. um, what about the recent uh, Wall Street Journal uh, survey that came out regarding Constitutional, historic, cultural illiteracy among the rising generation of young Americans—questions of patriotism and what they know of the country. Mm. Uh, we know that you uh, care deeply about these issues. Your wonderful granddaughter is here. What, 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 what are your thoughts? I mean, sh- should we be hopeful going forward
2: despite these numbers? Well, I, I think uh, you know most people have never even read the Constitution, and. Ignorance is, uh, creates a vacuum into which other things can rush. Some of you may remember the old Chase and Sanborn coffee and uh, vacuum packed. And they, in the TV ad, they uh, demonstrated the freshness by taking the little key that came with it and opening the can and you'd hear the air rush in. And that's where we are today. We've, we've created this vacuum that most people can't even define, the Constitutional Republic. You see these surveys. You know, some people think that the First Amendment, other amendments, uh, should be abrogated. They don't know. Mark Levin's show last night on, uh, on Fox was really good. He had a copy of the Constitution in his hand. And he went through just Article One, just Article One, and showed all of the times that the current president had violated the provisions in Article One. all these executive orders. All these uh, spending uh, things that they're doing that, had, that are supposed to come out of Congress, not the White House, but nobody does anything or says anything because they're ignorant of Article One and Article Two and the Bill of Rights and all kinds of other things, much less the Federalist Papers. So these things are not taught in schools, and if they're not taught in schools, then people are ignorant, and if they're ignorant, they can be led anywhere that the elites want to lead them, which is why I'm not announcing this morning... Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> came over me. It just...
1: <laughs> Isabella, did we have any online? Or we have one here in the back? Okay. Hey, Mr. Thomas. My name's Paul Mullen here at Heritage on the marketing team. And over the last couple of years, I've heard the term that we live in a post-persuasion society. Hmm. And we have, of course, all heard that facts don't care about your feelings, but also people's feelings don't care about our facts. And when we think about the ability to persuade someone, what is the best way that we can weave those two things together so we not only share with them the truth, the, the, the truth of the data, the truth of the numbers, but really the truth of the heart and what's going to connect with them at a heart level?
2: Well, I think you begin. Yeah, you know, remember that song some years ago, you're too young, probably. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. Uh, That's the kind of culture we live in now. I think you start first by building a relationship. Uh, Ask the other, you know, we come in with our own agendas that we want to uh, impose on other people. Get to know the other person who may disagree with you first. Find out how he or she, or whatever, uh, came to their point of view. And then then you can claim the right to be heard as well. And ask them, is that working out? I mean, feelings are wonderful, but, you know, I tell young women an FBI background check is better before you get married. (laughs) Uh, So build the relationship first. You know, we are a tribal nation now. Our national motto is out of many, one, and now we're out of one, many. Uh, We're hyphenated Americans. We see each other as parts of races or gender identification or, or whatever. That's not what the founders wanted. Whatever happened to the melting pot? Now it's booyah base. Everything is floating around without melting at all. So get to know them, find out how they came to their point of view, and then ask them, how's it working? Uh, Bob Beckel once said, uh, you know, we were wrong about welfare, but our intentions were good. <laughs> well, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and the left wants to install a toll booth. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have time
1: for one more question up here in the the second row.
2: My
0: little Margie. Mentioning Bob Bechtel, um, I'm Margie Wright, your friend in a row of friends. And it was Chris's dad, Dick calverson, I think, challenged you to befriend Ted Kennedy, which you did so well. And Bob Bechtel, I remember hearing you both speak in common ground, is needed more than ever. Mm. So could you find yourself a new Bob Bechtel, whose life you changed, really saved, as I recall, because well, we uh, need it more than ever. That's well, my. Well,
2: thank you, Margie. Uh, people asked... Uh, how do you and Beckle you know, get along so well? I so, said, well, neither of us are in or running for public office. Uh, you can't do that anymore in Washington, unfortunately. All these little cameras, you know, you carry around. If you're seen eating dinner with somebody of the other party, somebody will take a picture and use it in a campaign ad against you. Uh, that's and, and they have their meetings. They have their meetings, Republicans, Democrats have their meetings on the Hill. They get their talking points for the day to go out on various TV stations or get interviewed. And they all say the same thing. You know, if, you, if you, People like Rush Limbaugh and others used to put together these little uh, uh, clips of uh, members of Congress going on different shows. And the, the sentences were virtually the same. And that's not coincidental. That's what they do. And, and, and a lot of them don't even believe what they're saying. Some don't even know what they're saying. <clears throat> But uh, uh, so I, I think it's, it's really, really difficult. Now, I see that Fox has picked up on Brett Baier's show, uh, our old line about common ground, and they have a Republican and a Democrat working together on a piece of legislation. Well, it's not really consequential legislation. It has nothing to do with a border. It has nothing to do with human life. It has nothing to do with uh, male and female. It has nothing to do with our education system. It's, you know, tariffs or something like that. Well, okay, anybody can agree on the little stuff, but what about the big stuff? You can't get elected on the big stuff if you're not, and you can't get money from the donors, and that's the big thing. I think, what was it, the uh, two or three presidential elections ago, it was the first $1 billion election campaign. That's a disgrace. A billion dollars. Now it's more than that, of course. And the TV ads, and and, and, the, and as soon as the election is over, they're talking about the next election, and then the one after that. And it just never ends, and the problems increase. Thirty-one point four trillion dollar debt we have. Who's talking about that? Nobody, or a few are, but they're not doing anything about it. So I think it's very, very difficult. I mean, you know, I'm against cloning, but if you want to clone Bob, I'd be open for it. <laughs> Cal, in the in
1: the, I see a hand right there. I I'll, I know you've been. Hey, John Monet, one what, of my favorite spies.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would appreciate your thoughts on this. On the weaponization of the uh, intelligence community and the FBI.
2: Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, I go back to the days of Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. and the FBI (laughs) story where everybody had great hair and uh, everybody was honest and cared about America and all these other things. And that, you know, whatever J. Edgar Hoover's shortcomings were, that was certainly an image that he promoted. And despite the shortcomings, and there were some of the CIA... I think most people, uh, especially coming out of uh, World War II and the uh, OSS, I think it was, uh, knew that we needed people who would put their, themselves at risk by uh, gaining intelligence on what our enemies were trying to do to us. I just think that's, you know, in football, it's called scouting. You, know, you scout what the other team is doing, and you find their strong points and weak points, so you can exploit the weak points and defend against the strong points. Well, you do the same thing in intelligence. And sure, there have been some that have gone over the top and off the, off the rails. But by and large, uh, uh, I think the FBI and the CIA in the past have done a good job. Unfortunately, right now, as you suggest, it has been weaponized and politi- politicized, along with the IRS. And uh, this is not good for a stable nation. People are losing trust in their institutions at a level I have not seen in my lifetime. And that is bad for America. It really is. Uh, Gallup has shown that uh, the media, especially, are down at the level of Congress. You can't get much lower than that. And all of the institutions are being challenged now. And we need more men and women of integrity uh, heading them. I still think we have a, a leftover portion of DNA in us, Puritan DNA, that appreciates honesty, integrity, patriotism, and all of those other things that used to go along with a well-rounded and patriotic America. I don't see that happening now. It's not being taught. It's not being modeled. And so we get more of what we promote.
1: Cal, we are so grateful to carry your column at The Daily Signal. And I know you're doing an interview with The Daily Signal podcast. So if if you want more Cal Thomas, there's there's more to come. But in the spirit of of our Heritage Foundation president, Kevin Roberts, who hosts his own show and always asks his guests this question to conclude, why did you wake up optimistic today?
2: Because I knew I was coming here and seeing some friends. I mean, (laughs) look, America has always been a, a great idea in search of the ideal. But it has to be preserved. It has to be renewed, like we used to renew library books, or it will expire. And the values and virtues that made this country great, that established it, uh, the men and women who sacrificed everything. Recall uh, Ben Franklin's great line when a woman asked uh, in 1776, after the Declaration of Independence was passed, what have you given us, Mr. Franklin? And he responded, a republic if you can keep it. And we have to keep it. Every generation has to renew it. It's not the natural state of humanity. Otherwise, many nations in the world would embrace it. We are an oasis in the midst of a vast desert. And if we do not promote and defend this country, who else will? So I'm optimistic in the sense that uh, I know how it all turns out, but uh, not so optimistic with the kind of leadership we have right now. Good people don't want to run for office, because if you've ever done anything in your life that you're embarrassed about, and who hasn't? Uh, myself may be the exception. Um, you know, you'll, be, you'll be a demagogue to death. Now, my solution and my suggestion for people running for office, put out a press release on every known sin you've ever committed, because to my friends in the media, it's not what you've done, it's what you haven't spoken about. So anyway. Keep pressing on the upward way and uh, talk to your neighbors, talk to your friends, tell them what America is really all about, and ask them how their ideas are working. Let's give Cal a big round of applause.
1: If, if you'd like to purchase a book, right. have him sign it. Yep. He'll be outside. And uh, you better. Give <laughs> 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 me off of EBT cards. We also have some lunch. Uh, if you'd like to enjoy, enjoy some lunch with us, too. Uh, thank you all for coming today. We appreciate you being here at the Heritage Foundation. Thank you.